Well, open your Bible to Matthew chapter 16. Matthew chapter 16. And by the direction of the Lord, I feel like that we'll probably have one more week after this week where we've been sharing along the line of the church. How many have enjoyed talking about the church? And I pray that you've gotten a better understanding that, you know, church is not just a religious organization. It's not just something that we do on Sunday. In fact, that's one of the big things. It's not a Sunday thing. That church is not a Sunday thing. It's something that's who we are, and it's something that we, we come together whenever we can. Yeah. Just like the Bible talks about communion, as often as you partake, do this in remembrance of me. As often as you come together. So we, we come together as often as we can. Amen. But look in Matthew chapter 16, and let's pray. Lord, even as we come together today, we come hungry and thirsty for your word. We come hungry, Lord, to know you better. Lord, that we can know that you are the Christ today, the Son of the living God, and that you are our Lord and our Savior. And we give you praise for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Matthew 16, 13, Jesus came to the coast of Caesarea Philippi. He asked his disciples, saying, Whom do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? And so what the most important thing is is what you say about him who he is. We spoke a couple weeks ago about the fact that he's the head of the church, that he is the head and we are the body. And where you spend eternity is based on what you believe about him. You know, many people said, well, he's just a prophet. He's a good man. But you know, if you just believe that only, then you're lost. You had to believe more than he was just a good man. Well, you know, I believe that he was one way of many to the to the Father. Well, if you believe that, how many know the salvation only comes in Jesus? I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes unto the Father but by me. And so look at uh, verse 16. He says, Simon Peter answered and said, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Everyone say that. You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And say this, and you are my Lord. See, Jesus is my Lord and my Redeemer. You know, the Bible says if you, if you deny me before men, you don't acknowledge me before men, I won't acknowledge you or confess you before the Father. Paul said if you deny him, he'll deny you. And so one of the things, never be intimidated before other people. Now, that doesn't mean that you, you have to, like, get on someone's last nerve. That doesn't mean that you... You, you are obnoxious, but there's no bones about it. You, you're not ashamed of the gospel. You're not embarrassed. Well, you, you know, you're one of those faith people. Yes, I plead guilty. You know, you're one of those people, you believe in, in um, healing. I do. You believe in prosperity. You know, never be ashamed of, of abundance. Never be ashamed of, of, of speaking in tongues. Yeah, you guys speak in tongues. Yeah, you want to hear it? You know, <laughs> there's nothing to be embarrassed about. Amen. We are not ashamed of the gospel. We're not embarrassed. And so here he says, you're the Christ, the son of the living God. And what, he, what did Jesus say? He said, you're blessed, Simon, for flesh and blood hath not revealed it unto you, but my father which is in heaven. And I say unto you that you are Peter, which means rock, 
rock that you can carry. And upon this rock, which is another word, which means the rock like Gibraltar. He said, upon this rock, which actually means the rock of Revelation. The church is not built on the rock of Peter. It's built on the rock that Jesus is the Christ, the son of the living God. He said, upon that, I'm going to build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And I will give unto you the keys of the kingdom and whatsoever you shall bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. And whatsoever you shall loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. I want to read the, uh, once again, verse 18. I'm going to read that from the Amplified Classic. And I tell you, you are Peter, Greek Petros, a large piece of rock. And on this rock, Greek Petra, a huge rock like Gibraltar, I will build my church. And the gates of Hades, the, now he goes on to explain this, the powers of the infernal region shall not overpower it or be strong to its detriment or hold out against it. You know, if one person sees the truth, I don't care if the devil's ganged up against them their whole life. That person, if they see the light and they come to the truth, Jesus, I, I, I want you, I confess you as my Lord. All the devils in hell cannot hold against it. And the, the, the powers of hell are not going to hold out against the church or stop it. Can you say amen? So the rock that he is the Christ, the son of the living God, that's what we are building. And he is building his church on. And I, I'm confident that he's a master builder. It's, it's interesting when you see Jesus in his earthly ministry. What was he a part of? He was a carpenter, a family, the family business. Well, he hasn't stopped. He said, I'm going to go prepare a place for you. If it were not so, I would have told you. He said, I go to prepare a place for you. I just believe that Jesus knows what, what we like, and he's building something amazing for us. Even testimonies that you hear, and you have to, any testimony you always hear, always bring it back to the word, but I believe that these are, are, are true and accurate. But I've heard of, of different men of God that have, have gone on to heaven, had an experience with the Lord, and they've seen their place. One minister in particular said that he, Jesse Duplantis, he said that he, in his experience, he said, he said, if CNN has a problem with my house now, he said, they should see my house in heaven. He said, he said they wouldn't know what to do with it. And, and people that saw, you know, into the glory realm. Well, well, God's not just preparing us. You know, people used to say, Lord, just prepare me. Let me have a cabin in the corner of glory land. And then think they're being humble. <laughs> but God's got something prepared for us. He said, in my father's house are many condominiums, mansions. And so what the Lord has prepared for us, See, even if you don't have, a lot of people get their reward down here. If they're not serving the Lord, they get all the reward they're ever going to get down here. But you know what? Even if I don't get everything that, just worst case scenario, if I don't get everything that I'm believing God for, that's not the end. This is just temporal. All, all the real treasure is being laid up. All the real treasure is on the other side. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And so, when we, it says here, the gates of hell shall not prevail. What's a gate? A gate, we think of, is, is a controlling apparatus. And you control the gates, you control the flow. 
But the gates of hell will not stop the church. Because Jesus said, I will build my church. Hallelujah. Even now, darkness enslaves millions. But, you know, how is God building his church? We were lost at one time. But we heard the truth. And just when we responded to that truth, we were brought out of darkness into light. When you see lost people now, think of building materials. And that's how God is building his church, by people being saved and the church being built up. Thank you, Lord. And so we're part of this eternal, unstoppable kingdom. So when we talk about building his church, that word building, think of it like this, to increase God wants more kids. He wants more people in the kingdom. He wants, he's not willing that any should perish. God's not willing that any one person ever go to a lost eternity. I don't care what they've done. The Bible says that, the, the, that hell was made for the devil and his angels. So God's not willing that any person would die So we, we, and go to hell. But the, another word for that is strengthen. To build means to increase and to strengthen. Anytime you read in the New Testament, what would happen? Paul would go about and it said they would, would strengthen, they would confirm the disciples. That meant they strengthened them. So either they were learning something new, and actually which is called planting, or they were being fed upon what they already knew, and that meant they were strengthened. Have you ever seen a building? You know, I'm reminded of, of Pastor John Osteen when he was building a building a pastor who started Lakewood Church in Houston, Texas. He was going to build this building, and he said, you know what, I want to add a second, third story. He said, you can't do it. He said, I can't if I want. It's my building. He said, no. He said, he said Brother Osteen, you can't do it. He said, you don't have the foundation for, for a second, third story. You know, a lot of people want to throw down a, a little, two, you know, about two inches of foundation and then build something in their life. But if you want to build something in your life really strong and something that's going to stand the test of time, you need a deep foundation. And so to go higher, you've got to have the strength in the base. So the church has to be strong and certain parts have to be strengthened. That's why we say this. If you need something in your life to be strengthened, feed along that area. Feed along that area. I know whether it's healing, whether it's abundance, whether it's direction in your life, whether it's protection, what do you do? You feed along that area. So we talked about how the church is to increase. And what is Jesus interested in? He's interested in his church. What should we be interested in above everything else? The church. Now, we're not just talking about this local church, but we're talking about the church universal, his church. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And so his priority is to be our priority. That's why we have to do our part in building his church. One of the things we realize is we're not just on this planet just to do our routines. I, you know, I've said this, a lot of people, that we live our lives and, and people live their lives like they're going to live down here forever. You get up, do the same thing, have breakfast, go to work, come home, walk the dog, do the same thing the next day. And one, not even realizing that one day, just a, few, just a few short breaths from now, we'll be out of here. And the only thing that's going to matter is, what did we do for the kingdom of God? What did we do to impact people? Amen. 
the Bible tells us that all things were created for his pleasure. He is building his church. So every day we have to say, Lord, how can I help build the church? So, and of course, I'm just kind of, I'm hitting some high points and we're going to springboard off of this in just a moment. But the church is all the called out ones. We've been called out of darkness into his marvelous light. And so unity is a big part of that, isn't it? So the church are the called out together ones. The church are those whose names are written in heaven. Number three, the church is his body. And we talked about how he's the head, we are the body. Number four, we are his bride. We are the, number five, we are the house of God. That's when we say we are, there's joy in the house of, of the Lord today. We don't just mean that there's joy in these, these walls here. There's joy just floating in the ceiling. Who's the house? We are. So when we come together, we just have a, a spiritual house built up. And so there's joy in the house. That means there's joy in us. There's joy in every believer. Amen. So we're called the, the house of God, and he's building his house. When you read 1 Corinthians 3, the Bible talks about people being rewarded according to what they did with the house. What, what does he say? Precious stones, silver and gold. Or it's going to be wood, hay, and stubble. The fire is going to hit it, and it's just going to be nothing left. But if it, when it remains, we get rewards for that. Who's excited about being rewarded? Amen. Well, you know, I'm not real concerned about that. Well, you will one day. <laughs> Amen. And so we are in the building business. And what we should be doing is be willing to do whatever he wants us to do. So I want to ask you today, are you willing for him to take your life anywhere that it pleases him? See, we have to be willing to do whatever God wants us to do. To be willing to do whatever it takes. If you're unwilling to do anything, listen, if you're unwilling to do anything the Lord asks you to do, then you're unqualified to do everything. What's the Lord looking for? He's looking for a faith response. Lord, I'll go wherever you want me to go. I'll do what you want me to do. I'll say what you want me to say, and I'll be what you want me to be. And I've learned in my own life, any bit of unwillingness clouds your fellowship with him. Any, any area of your life that you say, Lord, you're, you're, you're Lord of most areas, but this area right here, I, this is reserved for me. And uh, well, see, any, anything like that is going to be a wall between you and God. You don't want anything holding you back. I don't care if that's a house or if that's a, a job or whatever. Why? Because soon and very soon we're going to be out of here. And it's not going to matter. Hallelujah. So we have to be willing. You have to be willing to do whatever. And here's the good thing. You don't have to know how it's going to happen. I know when I went to Bible school, I hardly had two nickels to rub together for sure. I don't know. I went to Bible school and I had like $400. I think, that I put into a checking account. No one wired me money. No one said, hey, we hear the great thing you're doing. 
here's $10,000, you don't have to work. It wasn't like that. And so you just step out. You step out with something. And I had the greatest joy in my life because I knew that's what I was supposed to do. How is it going to happen? I don't know. I didn't even go with a car. I was 800 miles away from home without a vehicle. I walked to school for a while, and it was about a mile. And then I got rides, and then about three months into it, uh, my dad and brothers came out and gave me a car. But you just, you, you have that excitement. Lord, I'm going to step out. I'm going to obey. I'm going to do what you want me to do. I'm going to go where you want me to go. Hallelujah. So what else is the church? And this is what we're going to talk about today. The church is his family. The church is his family. Look over in Ephesians chapter 3. Ephesians chapter 3. And look in verse 14. Paul says this, For this cause I bow my knees unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named. And he goes on praying for him. But notice the Father and the family. The Father and the family. You know, something that we use, and sometimes it can just be a very religious thing, but where did we get the phrase, brother so-and-so, sister so-and-so? Well, it's family. Brother. And so sometimes churches can be just a cold organization where it's just about business. But we can never lose that family aspect, that the church is a family. And I know a lot of times, many of you can probably testify that you, you're much closer to those in the body of Christ than your own kin, than your own blood kin. Yeah. Hallelujah. Amen. And that's true. The Bible tells us that we receive the spirit of adoption whereby we cry, Abba, Father. And so what happens is we become a part of the family of God. Whether, and the Bible says that spirit of adoption. But you are just as much, you know, when someone is adopted, they're just as much a part of the family. Brother Lester Semrall said this. He was in, um, he ministered in the Orient. And he said that he was, um, I think, in China. And he looked at the people and says, I'm more Chinese than you are. Of course, he's an American. And they're laughing. They're looking. He's like, well, what do you mean? He says, he said, you were born that way, but but." I chose to be. He said, I chose to be Chinese. You know, you have to love the people that you minister to. You know, it's like you've heard of missionaries that be in a different land. To my, I hate these people. It's like, well, what are you doing? Go home. Yeah. You're, you're trying to minister to people that you don't even like. <laughs> but the Bible tells us that we are chosen. We have the spirit of adoption whereby we cry, Abba, Father, or... Think of it like this, dada, daddy. How many know dad's not supposed to be cold-hearted? The father is not cold-hearted. And so when we talk about the church and his family, we're talking about the father and his family. We're talking about the big daddy and a big family. 
Now, I want to say this. I mean, I know some people, some people get over familiar with the Lord. And, you know, to everything is just like me and daddy, oh God, and this and that. And they need a little bit more fear of God in their life. But that's that's what we see. You know, even when we worship God, we have three different elements. When we worship God, we have the fear of God, we have love for God, and we have humility. So just as much as you fear and reverence God, you should have just as much a love for Him. You just, you love being with Him. And that's what it's like. We're, we have this spirit of adoption, whereby we say, Abba, Father. We don't have the spirit of fear, again, to bondage, the Bible says. But we cry out, Abba, Father, Dad, Hallelujah. And how many know that God's got a big family? Amen. Part of them are in heaven now, and part of them are on the earth right now. Who has loved ones that are there? They're waiting. They're, there's, we, we got a big family here. I mean, we're talking about a big family. God, God's the best parent ever. Amen. You know, if, if the same things that people accuse God of were accusing of people, people will be thrown in jail. People accuse God of child abuse all the time. Well, God put that on me and he's trying to teach me a lesson. He broke my leg and God saw that I was prospering too much so he, um, he took my chickens and, you know, just all kinds of things like that. But God's a good God. So if you're born again today by the blood of Jesus Christ, it doesn't matter what sign is on the building. The only thing that matters is what family are you in? There's only two families in the earth today, not 12 or 15. There's the family of God and the family of Satan. Jesus told these religious people, now, can you can imagine? It was really like slapping them upside the head. He said, hey, you are of your father, the devil. They probably choked just about. You are of your father, the devil, and his lust you will do because you're from him. <laughs> and then these are church people. These are people that were people that studied the Bible for a living. But I want you to say this. I'm in the family. See, everyone has something on the inside of them that wants to be a part. When you talk about gangs, when you talk about the mafia, when you talk about cartels, what are they trying? See, if people are not in church, then they don't have the, the, the God-shaped vacuum field. They'd use other things to try to fill it. They, they go through, you know, they're part of the family and the gangs and different things. Yeah. But see, the church has actually failed in this area and it's been weak, but the church is to be strong. Amen. A strong family. Yes. Hallelujah. And the Lord is building his church. Amen. Look over in 1 Timothy chapter 3. I don't know if everyone's sleepy or just overwhelmed this morning, but you're quiet. You're listening. First Timothy 3. So we're talking about the church is his family. We're talking about the father and his family. This is a true saying. If a man desire the office of a bishop, he desireth a good work. A bishop then must be blameless, the husband of one wife, vigilant, sober of good behavior, given to hospitality, apt to teach, 
not given to wine, no striker, not greedy of filthy lucre, but patient, not a brawler, not covetous. So he, he's talking about different qualifications for those that are in the ministry. We should have qualifications for people that stand in the office. Whatever God's called them to do. Why? Because with greater responsibility, you know, a lot of times, here's the thing we have to realize. Places of ministry are not places of prestige. Ooh, I'm, I'm pastor. I'm I'm apostle. No, it's not a place of prestige, but it's a station of service. As we minister the word, we are serving. You know, anytime you have someone that's in any kind of leadership role, there's, there's a sense where they're above the people because they have oversight. It doesn't mean they're better than anybody, but they just have oversight. There's a sense where they're equal to the people because you're my brother and sister. And there's a place where you're under the people. You're serving. So today we're serving you. We're serving you some spiritual nourishment. Amen. And so he goes on to, to give these things, but then look at verse four. He says, one that ruleth well his own house. Now, you know, that's not even politically correct today. <laughs> Political correctness varies, you know, according to who's in office, what movies are popular, what books are out. But the Bible has never changed. One brave amen. Base your life on the Bible because it has never changed. Notice he says, one that rules well his own house, having his children in subjection. Now he's talking about someone that's, that's in ministry, those that are called. He says, having his children in subjection. And that, of course that word, Subjection is the word for submission, which is definitely an unpopular word in today's society. I mean, nowadays, that's not like a fighting word. You make people spitting mad, you say the word submission. Well, should we not submit to the Lord? Shouldn't our lives not be submitted to Him? So the Bible tells us that if a man is to have oversight, he needs to be a certain caliber caliber of a man and what is that verse 5 he says for if a man know not how to rule his own house how shall he take care of the church of God so what is a, what is a person that stands in, in an office as a he's talking about a pastor here he says one that rules well his own house but you know, a lot of people are more familiar with this than they are the, the scripture. If mama ain't happy, then nobody's happy. Which is not a scripture. Now don't get quiet on me now because I'll know I'll be talking about you. <laughs> what, does that, what does that mean? That indicates that mama rules the roost and that's true in many houses. So we're going somewhere with this. So what if this man who's called, what if he, he is not a drunk, he's not a brawler, that he has everything in order, but what if his wife runs the house? Then he's not fit to be an overseer. What if the kids run the house? 
and I know, I know how it is. I mean, it's only with two kids. I know things can get busy, but when you start having five, six, seven kids, I mean, which way is up, which way is down, which way is side to side? But if, if the kids are ruling the house, even if you have someone that's a good Bible teacher, someone that's, that's, that's pure, even someone who's, who's doing everything they should, but if the kids rule the house, then he's, un, he's not qualified to run the things of God. And you know, in, in the society nowadays, what do people do? They make fun of dad. All the sitcoms, you know, the dad is an idiot. You know, he's just, he, he, he doesn't know how to get in out of the rain. But see, that's what the devil wants. He wants people to, to put dad down. Now, we're, here, now we're, we're not here to just exalt dad today. <laughs> but we're just hearing my message. What's he saying? Verse 5. If a man know not how to rule his own house, how, she, how shall he take care of the church of God? If you, wanna, if you want to run things, if you want to do things God's way, things have to be in order. Things have to be in subjection. So he has things well in hand. So everybody knows if daddy's not happy, then everyone else is not going to be happy. Boy, this is going over like a lead balloon today. <laughs> Amen. Just stay with me to the end. You'll, you'll, if you're not shouting now, you'll shout later. <laughs> but, but what happens? God, God never put the man, he's, he's not better than the wife, but this is just the way that God has put and established things that the man, he's given the man responsibility to be the head. He's going to answer and say, and, and that, should be, that should be comforting to the wife. Yeah. Hey, I'm not the head. He's going to have to answer, not, not me. <laughs> and so wherever he leads, the family follows. So I said all that to say this. How is the church going to operate? In the same way. Why? Because the church is a family. The church is a family. It's just like it's a family... You know, some things that make you successful in church or in a family is the same thing that's going to make you successful in a church as well. Why? Because it's the same exact principles. So there has to be structure in the family. The Living Bible says this, if a man can't make his own little family behave, how can he help the whole church? If a man can't make his own little family behave, how can he help the whole church? I want you to look over in Colossians chapter 3. And we'll kind of bring some of this together. Colossians chapter 3. Talking about the father and his family today. Let me say it like this. Who thinks that God's a good parent? Who thinks that God has his kids in subjection? How many think that God's a good God? That he knows what to do? Colossians 3. 
There are three words that describe the proper family. Three words. Look in Colossians 3, verse 18. Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as it is fit in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and be not bitter against them. Children, obey your parents in all things, for this is well-pleasing unto the Lord. Now, this is very politically incorrect. But do we believe what the Bible says? You know, God's way always works, and it is for our protection. You know, I'm thankful that growing up, we just, just, things didn't just slide. I mean, we were never abused, but I'll tell you what, I got the, I got the strap a few times. I mean, my dad would take his belt off and just look at me. And you're already like half crying. And you could hear the coming through all the belt loops. It's like, oh no. You knew judgment was, a, was impending right now. But there was nothing, I was ever beaten or anything. But thank God that, that we were made to do things. That we grew up. And you know, a lot of times, you know, people say, well, you know, you should never tell a child, you know, do it just because I said so. But you know, you're training them to walk by faith. I know I was told things before and I was not given a long explanation of why. Because mama said so. Because dad said so. Does God always tell us, hey, I want you to do this. Lord, okay, why, why do you want me to do that? No, he, he wants us to walk by faith. The more we walk by faith, the more it pleases him. <laughs> and so notice here, three words that describe the proper family. And we realize that, that we've, we've not grown up maybe in where things were perfect, and maybe things are not perfect. So it's, it's, this is not for condemnation or judgment. We're just giving you what the Bible says as, a, as the standard. He says, uh, number one, submit, two, love, and three, obey. And so number one, the head, he loves. We have a, a love head. Jesus is not the great cowboy. He's a good shepherd. And so what does he do? He is the love head. What is the, the, the father of the family? He's, he's the head but see, head doesn't just come with privilege. It comes with responsibility. You know, being the head doesn't mean that you're met at the door with your slippers in a newspaper and say, you know, hey, yeah, you're the king of the castle. You know, that's, no, it's about responsibility. And, and being the love head means I'm going to do the, the what's important for the family. What's the, the beneficial thing? What does, what does the father do? What does God do? He does the same exact thing. So the, the head loves, the wife submits, and the children obey. Notice I didn't write this. <laughs> this was long before me. So, so husbands love. You do what's best for the family. You do what's right for everyone. And be the love head. 
Hallelujah. And then wives submit. And the same thing that applies to the, the wife submit applies to us, even as husbands, as men, where we submit to God. How many know we have to submit to him? Well, you know, I'm a man. I don't have to submit. Well, you have to submit to the Lord. <laughs> Why? Because we are the, the bride of Christ. The bride is the woman. We have to submit to the Lord's plan. And you know, it's funny because a lot of people, they think, well, you know, I never really have a, a, a I usually, here's what people say a lot of times. Well, you know, I usually submit to them, but this time I just don't agree. Who's ever heard that? Actually, you usually agree with him, but now there's an occasion for you to submit and you're failing. See, here's the thing. You never have an opportunity to submit until you don't agree because submission is not agreement. People say this too. Well, I usually, usually I, I submit to them, but this time I don't agree. No, you usually agree with them, but now there's an opportunity to submit and you're not submitting. So there, there can, you know, you know, that's the way it is in relationships. A lot of times things can be good 98% of the time. But then there's a, a time where, where something, has, a decision has to be made. And one person, you know, even as, you know, I believe that we should have a, a spirit of where we, we're not just um, overbearing. We don't, we can get along with other people. But there comes a, a place where, just say, for instance, the Lord. He, may, he tells us, okay, I want you to do this. Lord, not that. You know, you can be bopping along, everything's going good, and then the Lord says, I want you to do this. You know, I want you to um, go over here and do this thing. Oh, Lord. But who's our greatest example? Jesus, what did he do? Lord, if there's any other way, I mean, please take this cup away from me. But nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. So even Jesus even said, I didn't come to do my own will, but the will of him that sent me. So submission is not a, a, a bad word. That means that we just, you know, submission actually literally means is to arrange under. So if I'm going to submit to some, somebody, I'm going to arrange myself under them. I'm going to arrange myself that, that I'm going to be under this person. I'm going to be, I'm going to say, Jesus, you're Lord. Because I don't know about you, but I don't want my own way. Amen. Why? Because the fruit of my own way is death. That's right. And so husbands love, what does the, the family, supposed, what's it supposed to look like? The same thing is supposed to look like in the church. Husbands love, wives submit, Children obey. But do people, by and large, do people see the church as a family? With a dad and a mom and younger children. You know, many churches, the pastor is a hireling. They just get hired and fired just every couple years just to stir things up. I mean, I've, I've seen it, especially growing up, you'd see, oh, there's a new pastor in the church. Oh, there's a new minister. I know in the particular church I grew up in, it just said minister. And then you look, in, look on the sign, it's a different one. I was like, oh, what happened there? And so what happens, though, is they're a hireling. 
you, you do all the praying for us. You do all this. We pay you for that. That's what a hireling is. But in the church, there should be a mom. There should be a dad. There should be children. There should be love, submission, and obedience. So the dad is supposed to be the love head. The wife is to submit. The children are to obey. Son, go out and cut the grass. And that's it. <laughs> of course, I got a second son now that I got to start teaching him the grass. So, But the same way, I mean, the Lord tells us, okay, Rosemary, I want you to forgive that person. Okay. Yes, Lord. I, I want you to go do that. I want you to go bless them with something. Go give that person a hundred bucks. Yes, Lord. And we submit to him. And so, you know, like we said earlier, when you train kids to do something, they're learning to follow God. Why is this important? Because when they grow up, and kids will grow up, what happens if they do that? You know, what if they don't submit? You know, what if, if, if they, they do something in, in, the, in the marriage? You know, they, they fly off the handle. Well, they might get a divorce. What if they do that on the job? Then they'll get fired. What if they, they do that with a pastor? Well, if the pastor is, is doing what he should, then it won't, it won't fly. Look over in 1 Corinthians 4, verse 14. So the church is his family. The church is the family of God. You know, I wasn't really planning on saying this, but, you know, that's why you see a lot of times in a church, you don't have a, a, a pastor as the head. And as we say this, it's not the domineer. You know why? Because Peter said, not being lords over God's heritage. You know, I'm not going to come over and, and to Shingi's house and say, you know, it should be chicken tonight, not beef. You know, I'm not going to say, not the Chevy, but the Ford. You know, I'm not here to control people's lives. Right. We're not here to control anybody. My wife and I are not here to control anybody. We have enough time that we invest in, in taking care of our own stuff. And in the church. But we're not here to micromanage anyone's life. And anyone that does is out of line. You know, years ago you had the shepherdship movement and you had all these things where submission was taken to the extreme. And so they couldn't do anything unless they called brother so-and-so and asked them. Or if they called the pastor, what do you think? Can I do that? No, you can't get that. You, you got to get the Ford, not the Chevy. You know, that, that actually happened. And so we're not here to, to dominate anybody. We're not here to be lords over God's heritage. We're supposed to be, the Bible says, examples to the flock. <laughs> Hallelujah. 1 Corinthians 4, verse 14. He says, I write not these things to shame you, but as my beloved sons, I warn you. For though you have 10,000 instructors in Christ, you have not many fathers. For in Jesus Christ, I have begotten you through the gospel. Wherefore, I beseech you, be followers of me. So notice he, he said that you don't have but one father. In the gospel, not, not all these, you know, I have 25 spiritual fathers. 
And what's interesting is, is Paul, even though he said he did the work, he was not, he never called himself father. You know, the, the, the Bible actually forbids us to do that. He didn't consider himself Father Paul. And so over at um, 1 Timothy chapter 5. Thank you, Lord. How is the church supposed to be? Just like a family. What's supposed to be in a family? Love. Caring one for another. It's, it's like I heard a minister say this, coming, when it comes to the family, it's the same way with the church. You, you have rules, you have things in place, but rules without love only leads to rebellion. The love, the head that we have in this church, Jesus Christ, he is the love head. He doesn't just bark at his kids. And you know, here's the thing. If we don't obey, he doesn't just chase us down and say, you know, you're going to do it or else. As the love head, just say in the context of a husband and wife, what if the wife doesn't submit? Well, she doesn't. Plain and simple. Well, I'm going to make her you'll be out of line. What if the wife doesn't submit? Then she doesn't. What if the church doesn't submit? Does the Lord just make us do it anyway? See, the same thing applies to the wife, applies to us, because we are part of the body. What if we don't obey the Lord? Does he make us do it? Does he hunt us down? <laughs> no, we have to willingly say, Lord, I want your will. I want to do what you want me to do. So I want to, um, we'll finish up here in 1 Timothy 5. 1 Timothy 5, verse 1. He says, rebuke not an elder, but treat him as a father. So how, how are we to treat those that are elders above us? He says, treat them like a father, the younger men as brothers. The elder women you treat as mothers and the younger as sisters with all purity. So this is how we're supposed to treat one another in the church. You see one that's older, you, you, you honor them. One thing that you'll never beat someone that's older than you in is experience. That's why the, Lord, the, the Bible tells us to honor our elders. Amen. You know, the Bible talks about when you see the gray hair. Now, I know I started having some at 23. That didn't mean I was an elder. <laughs> but, but when you see the gray hair, what's that, it's supposed to mean that you see someone that's older than you, you honor that person. I mean, I grew up with yes, sir, yes, ma'am. No, sir. Or I was administered to if I didn't. <laughs> Hallelujah. So this is how we're supposed to treat one another. <coughs> Why? Because we're part of a family. We're part of a church family today. 
And so the sad thing is many people today, for whatever reason, they're not in a family. They're not being fed today. They're not being challenged. And, and what happens is they go through a crisis alone. So that's why we're supposed to encourage one another. If you see someone that's not here today, reach out to them and say, hey, we missed you today. How's everything going? Is there anything I can do for you? Hallelujah. Why? Because we are a family. And the other thing I'd say is this, get hooked in. Get hooked into the family. Amen. Well, you know, I don't, I don't feel apart. Sometimes people don't feel apart because they're not apart. Be involved. I mean, we, um, we always need help around here. And so we, we like to, some, and sometimes, I know here recently, we've, we, we've taken the step and said, hey, we'd like for you to be involved, if you'd like to be involved. And we've said this before. The thing is, is you need to be involved more than we need you to be involved. Why? For your own benefit. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Everyone just close your eyes for a moment. Father, we just thank you today for your word. We thank you, Lord, for your spirit. We thank you, Lord, for your anointing in this place. Father, I thank you that every person that is in this place today leaves changed. Lord, I thank you for your family today. Lord, that we are part of the family of God. Hallelujah. Thank you, the Father and his family. Lord, I just thank you right now. Come on, just stir yourself up this morning. Hallelujah. Oh, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Oh, Father, we thank you for the freedom today that we have in Christ. We thank you, Lord, that we're born into the family of God. Thank you, Lord, we've been born as such a time as this, that we're in the kingdom for such a time as this. Lord, that we will not waste our time. But Lord, we will be concerned about what you're concerned about. We thank you, Lord, for the anointing of the Holy Ghost. Father, that you would use us. Use us, Lord, on every side. Send me, Lord. I'm willing. I'm willing, Lord. Not my will, but yours be done. Father, we purpose in our heart today that we will be used for the kingdom of God. We thank you for it. We thank you for it. Oh, Father, we thank you that this is the, the, the family of God. Lord, I thank you that every one of us, Lord, that... that Lord, even if, if, if the 
people of God today receive nothing else but this, it would be this, that they would have the same care one for another. They would have the same care one for another. That, Lord, even the same love that you've given us, Lord, that we would share that love with others. That we would care about one another. That we would share one with the other. That we would, Lord, be concerned about what they're going through. Lord, that we would pray, that we would give, that we would do whatever it takes to see them come through. We thank you for it. We thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Father, we thank you for your fire in the name of Jesus. Thank you for your anointing right now. Hallelujah. Oh, Lord, I thank you that you stir up the gift. Oh, on the inside, in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Lord, we just stir up the gift today. We stir up the gift of God. Oh, Father, that we will not be complacent in these days. Lord, I thank you that the church is not a cold organization, but Lord, it's a warm family. The Lord, it's a family that's, that's with the same purpose, the same mission. Lord, to see souls saved, to see people come out of darkness, to see people come into the kingdom. Thank you, Lord, that it shall be thus and so in the name of Jesus. <clears throat> Lord, that this church, the river church, will not be a dead, lifeless church, but Lord, there should be life, Lord, with new life coming in, and Lord, people going out empowered, and strengthened on a daily basis. Thank you for strength. 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 In Jesus' name. We thank you for strength. Hallelujah. The joy of the Lord today is our strength. Father, we just stir up the joy. Hallelujah. Joy of the Lord is our strength today. The joy, the joy, the joy. The joy of the Lord. Ha, 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 ha. Hallelujah. 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 Lord, we yield to the joy just like we yield to speaking in tongues. We yield to joy. With joy we draw from the wells of salvation. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord, that the church is alive. The church is a living organism. Life. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Ha, ha, ha. Oh, hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Lord, we are not ashamed of the gospel. We're not ashamed. I thank you, Lord, that, that nothing huge is accomplished without firepower. And Lord, we thank you that even in the spirit, Nothing is accomplished without firepower. You shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost and with fire. So, Lord, we thank you for fire today. Hallelujah. Lord, that fire burns off what doesn't need to be there. That fire burns off sin and habits and oppression and fear and bondage. The Lord, we walk in the glorious liberty of the gospel. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. Blessed be your name. Blessed be your name. Blessed be your name. Blessed be your name. Hallelujah. You know, the, the call that a lot of believers need 
It's just a, a place of greater consecration. We always have to consecrate ourselves more and more. Why? Because the flesh wants to pull back. The flesh wants to do its own thing. We have to, to say, Lord, not my will, but yours be done. Burn in me. Let your desire be my desire. And that's why you put the sacrifice on the altar and it's burned. But the Bible says we are living sacrifices. We had to make ourselves stay on the altar. Anytime it's a living, when it's a living sacrifice, it can crawl off the altar. But, but when it's, you make it stay there and say, Lord, I present myself, I present my body to you, a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable. You know, a lot of people don't sell out to God. You know why? Because they think that the end of their fun is over. <laughs> they think, man, you, you, if you really submitted to God, you know, it, things are really boring at your house. But that's when life begins. See, that's the enemy that lies the, those things. Because what happens is little by little, we do our own thing. Next thing we know, we're 60, 70, 80, and it's time to get out of here. And didn't really do the plan of God. But say, not me. I'm going to do the will of God. And I'm going to obey Him. All the days of my life. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, Lord. <clears throat> Hallelujah. I pray that you heard my heart today because <clears throat> it wasn't a message. Anytime you teach, teach, because we really haven't taught extensively about husbands and wives and family, <clears throat> there's so much in the word that you need to teach on. But I want you to understand that all of this applies to the church. What applies is the husband's head, Jesus is the head. Wives submit, we all submit to the Lord. And we say, Lord, you're the head of the church. I, I do your will. And just like children obey, how many know we're called the children of God? So it wasn't a message about men being superior. It wasn't a message about wives being inferior. We all have a, we all fit into every one of those categories as children of God. Thank you, Lord.